Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome back to another Ilm Feed podcast with your host Shabir Hassan. And I uh, hope you are all doing well, inshallah. And uh, I'm really excited uh, about today's episode. Um, we have a dear brother with us um, whose story, I promise you, um, is inspiring to say the least. Um, he has a journey that he's going to be taking us through. And I just, it's just one of those podcasts that if you just skip or you stop listening, then you're just going to miss out a great, great deal. Okay. Uh, so I want to introduce our uh, guest for today, uh, our dear brother, Jody McIntyre. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Mashallah. Nice to be here. Nice, nice for to you to be you. here and, and, and a pleasure to host you, honestly. I know we've been talking about, you know, arranging this for some time. Alhamdulillah, you happen to be in London today. No, it's finally happened. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. How have you been? Alhamdulillah, everything's good. Yeah? I'm, I'm loving life. Mashallah, <laughs> mashallah. And I can see that, genuinely, I can see that. I mean, so here's the thing, we only got, re- we, I would say we recently got, connected on social media uh, mm. via Instagram um, so that was that was more of a recent thing but however I wouldn't say that this was the first time I've I've come across you or the first time I've probably interacted with you. I don't think it was even okay. though it was only a few months back where I started seeing mashallah more of your work and we're mm. going to talk about we're going to talk about that but let me just take you back a bit so I think 2010-2011 around that time I was uh, in college at the time. I was okay. doing my A levels at the time, yeah. and uh, I was—I uh, always used to follow the work and the activism of Loki. Yeah. Right. So through him, I came across you, okay. and so we're talking about a good ten years ago now. Um, obviously, mashallah, you're much uh, younger—not that you're old now, but you know, much younger, <laughs> much like myself. And I was following your work because you were also, uh, you know, a, a very um, you know, keen activist, you were doing a lot of good work, mashallah. Um, and I just remember, I, I can't remember if we were like Facebook friends or something, but I was keeping up to date with a lot of things you're doing, your journalism, your activism, and so many things. And then I, I clearly remember there was this terrible incident uh, which you were involved in where you attended uh, a protest yeah. uh, and um, it was all over the headlines because obviously you were in your in the wheelchair in your wheelchair at the time and uh, what happened was there was a lot of controversy because you were we, we could say you were dragged right out out of the the wheelchair yeah, I think that, I think and there was there was some footage uh, there that was available to see you literally being on the floor and it was shocking for a lot of people to see it's like it was shocking for for me <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. Imagine for us seeing it, it was shocking. Yeah, so yeah. I can't even imagine what you, I mean, that experience was like for you. Talk, let's let's start with that, actually, going yeah. back, because it was a while back now. Well, I think what's interesting is yeah. that what what got even more mm. attention yeah. than the incident itself was an interview Mm. that I took part in a couple of days afterwards on uh, BBC News, which was a live interview. And it was quite interesting because, you know, uh, I had a long day of a number of different interviews with Sky News and ITV News, a number of channels. And just, they were all in the same building in central London. And just before I was due to go home in the evening, I was feeling very tired. I said, oh, we want to do one more interview, a live interview on BBC News. Mm. And I was quite reluctant to do it because I was just a bit exhausted from the the day. And they said, uh, oh, it will only take one or two minutes. Mm. It's a live interview and it will be seen by a lot of people. So Mm. I said, okay, let's do it. The interview ended up uh, lasting for I think almost ten minutes, okay. and the the <laughs> the interviewer uh, was very hostile. Okay. So so it's this interview that I think most uh, people remember, mm. and also I tried to uh, uh, mention what I perceived as the BBC's partiality or bias yeah. in reporting on the 
uh, on the occupation of Palestine, mm. and um, I was kind of my arts was cut off very quickly. So mm-hmm. it's amazing, really, something that um, you know, in this day and age, just that ha- someone happened to be mm. filming the incident, yeah, and then it ended up. The news. Literally. So you mentioned my uh, friend Loki. Yeah. He said that for for twenty four hours I was world world famous. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you literally it was all of us. It was all of us. It was media. a big story because big I think I think sometimes, you know, we have a society where there are some prejudices. Mm. There, you know, a lot of people do face discrimination and do face prejudice and do face even you could say a kind of oppression Mm. Um, but I think that I always say that a lot of people actually find it hard to believe unless they have directly experienced it Mm. themselves and I think racism and disability uh, sorry discrimination towards disabled people are two really good examples Mm, if you think about racism there are so many outrageous stories that you hear that i think a white person or someone who has has never has never faced racism would just not believe that this can happen Mm. in the society we live in which you know is is a civilized society in so many ways but mm. then in some other ways are uh, really quite appalling <laughs> yeah of course subhanallah and that's one thing i mean one thing you just mentioned there um is the prejudice that is is faced by many people especially in the disabled community um mm. and so the you know one thing that you have you know we could say uh, struggle with uh, we were just talking about it just before the before we, we yeah. started right um even subhanallah from a young age again you know Someone like myself, I can't relate to your struggle, and and perhaps on some levels you can't relate to my struggle, and you know, uh, that's just how it works, right? Allah yeah. tests people in different ways, um, and you mentioned uh, the um, condition is uh, cerebral uh, palsy. Am I saying yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. So tell us a bit about that, and you know your struggle, um, even as a child, subhanAllah, even you know those first steps that you're trying to take. How did that affect you? Literally. T- taking first steps literally it was a big struggle yeah. you know subhanallah uh one of the things we're taught as muslims is to look for signs within ourselves mm. sometimes allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might give someone hardship or difficulty in order to test them so if i look at my own life Alhamdulillah, uh, very shortly after I was born, mm. just a matter of minutes or a number of minutes after I was born, um, I stopped breathing. So my parents noticed that my uh, body was turning blue and they called the, the midwives or the, the nursing staff who came rushing and Alhamdulillah, by the will of Allah, they managed to uh, resuscitate me. Mm. And, you know, there's a strong possibility that during that time, that short time of uh, not breathing, um, that could have been a contributing factor or cause of the the physical disability or whatever you want to call it, um, that I have. So it's something amazing. Mm. Like when I look back on it now, to think that, within the first few minutes of life, uh, I was, because I had stopped stopped breathing. Mm. You know, you think of a human being that stopped breathing as as dead, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And subhanAllah, sometimes I reflect on that. When when you read, uh, there's a lot of references in the Quran Mm. to the fact that just as Allah brings, you know, Sometimes the earth in winter yeah. uh, becomes dead and then in the spring yeah. Allah brings it back to life and things start growing again. Mm. It's as human beings 
just the way he gave us life and then we will all experience death when we go to our graves mm. and then we'll all experience life again in the Akhirah. Mm. So subhanAllah is something to reflect on, you know. Uh, it's something we always remind ourselves and always remind each other. But I still think it's uh, worth repeating yeah. and worth thinking about that this life is a short, short, short test. Not even a long test, say mm. a short test. Like when you have an exam, it's stressful, you yeah. revise for it, you work hard. And then when you go to sit the exam, just as, as soon as you've started it, it feels like it's over. Yeah. So alhamdulillah, in terms of having a disability, the way I like to look at it is that any of us, whether you have a disability or not, this body that you have now is something temporary. Something you've just got for a short period of time. And that's why I think it's important for people to not judge people on their appearance or their skin colour or whether they have a disability. Because not only is it, you know, morally wrong, but also it's so short-sighted to think that this person's body, this person's uh, physical outer appearance is representative of them as a person. Mm. And you know, especially it, especially as Muslims, it's very easy for us to say verbally, mm. yes, we believe that everyone's equal and that Allah created everyone. But do we put that into act? Action. Exactly. Yeah. Do we put that? Do we implement that intention? Mm. So, for example, you know, if you if you've got a daughter, if you've got a son, and a brother or a sister uh, came and asked to marry your daughter or your son, mm. and they had a disability, or they were black, or they're a different uh, ethnicity to your family, would you put that belief into action, or would it mm. suddenly be? Something that's not okay, subhanAllah, especially as Muslims. You know what? You know what's very interesting is the two things that you mentioned there, which is so racism <clears throat> against people of, of, of color, and then you have prejudice against you know people with a disability. Yeah. What it just I don't know, it, I'd never thought of it like this, but it just reminded me right now mm. of the two mu'addins of the Prophet, exactly. Right? Yeah, you have Bilal ibn Rabaha, okay, Abyssinian, okay. Uh, a freed slave and he was the main mu'addin who's the second mu'addin of the Prophet Abdullah ibn Um Maktoum and he was blind blind. he had a disability and these were the two uh, mu'addins of the Prophet they were promoted to this high high station and honourable position just showing that you know we can obviously and many Muslims use this as a very basic example and they, they sometimes even use it to just uh, kind of cover up their uh, passive racism, right? But no, what we're saying is that the Prophet ﷺ, clearly he saw more than what we're talking about here, right? He saw more than just something which is external. He saw more than someone's physical. He saw that these people are, you know, have something to contribute. These people have uh, something that they can give to this community for the sake of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ demonstrated that. So I, it, was just, it was just random. Whilst you were talking, that was the first thing uh, that came to my head, subhanAllah. And uh, there's, there's a social media post going around actually just very recently about um, how in, in the Arab world in, someone took a picture of you know this sign for, for disabled people but it doesn't say uh, disabled people the word that is used in Arabic is Ashabul Himam so meaning right. the people of determination right mm. and that was just being shared around showing that you know there you go like these people uh, we don't see them as someone who, uh, who's just less able than us no in fact these are people who are way more determined than us and honestly I see you like that like th- the amazing th- work you're doing is, is absolutely amazing and, and the way you've you know uh, alhamdulillah overcome you, the, any struggles any tests that Allah has, has placed you with you've come out on top of that I think as you know I haven't I, I hadn't uh, seen that picture yeah, that yeah. you meant but I, I think that's really nice yeah, yeah. I think they should adopt that in yeah. the English language definitely because I always think that it's uh, strange how some 
inabilities yeah. are classified as a disability. As in, yeah. if you can't do this, if you can't do this, it's medically or socially classified as you have a disability. Yeah. But everyone is disabled to do something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No one's able to do everything. Some yeah. people find it difficult to learn languages. Yeah. Some people can't swim. Some people can't ride a bike. Mm. Someone couldn't ride a bike, you wouldn't say they have a disability. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And that the, the, the Arabic uh, translation that you mentioned, yes, that's what it is. It's, it's like just to live your life or just to... Uh, you know, it's what I think is a struggle when you have a disability. It's not necessarily the big achievements because I think people get very inspired when you see someone with a disability and they've got a degree or they've got married or they and mashallah these are big achievements. They shouldn't be belittled, mm. but the thing you have to struggle is the everyday tasks. Yeah. Just trying to live your life independently. Trying, you know, everyone gets tired. Imagine you've got a physical disability as well. Yeah. Some things take more time, take more effort. So that's what I think is nice to be recognised in that way. Mm. That determination, that effort, mashallah. You know, everyone's facing their own struggles. Alhamdulillah. It's amazing, bro. Honestly, it's uh, and and I'm so glad that you know you you reached out on social media and I came across the amazing work you're doing. And I want to just come back to the question because you mentioned a few times is prejudice. Did you face that in your you know over the years? Is that something that you've had to battle and and come to terms with? And do you have any examples that maybe you could even share? I'd say as someone with a disability. Uh, you know, growing up and living in the UK, yes, I've always faced discrimination, and sometimes, you know, you, you uh, maybe it's frustrating when people don't believe you, or they say, oh, you know, often I'm talking to someone, and they say, I, I, you know, I don't understand why someone would treat you differently, or be rude, or actually, like, be rude to you, uh, just because you have a disability. Mm. And my response is, I don't understand either. If I understood, I, would, exactly, you know, I wouldn't right? be talking about it in the first yeah. place. But, you know, it's a general thing. I remember as a child, alhamdulillah, uh, now I'm an adult. Yeah. Um, I, I drive a car, which has um, given me a lot more independence and also, I think, has shielded me from a lot of from many instances where I used to come across uh, rude people, people with some kind of prejudice. So, you know, even to me thinking about it now, is something amazing. Like, mm. why, like, why of all sections of society, disabled people, like, what put that in your heart, like, that you get so frustrated and so angry with someone that's in a wheelchair. Something yeah. I'll never understand, subhanAllah. But, yeah, in general, I can say... I'll give you a very good example. Yeah, sure. When I was in, at sits form, mm. I used to use a wheelchair, electric wheelchair, mm -hmm. and get a bus to school. Okay. And every single morning, I'm not exaggerating, I'd say 99% of mornings, I'd say 99% of mornings, yeah. the bus, or one or two or even three buses, would either not, not stop at my stop, or say we don't have space for you, or argue with me, or cause some kind of, you know, seen about me getting on the bus or say why can't you wait for the next bus and what's worse than that is that when I tried to argue back yeah. other members of the public would start arguing with me no way. why are you wasting my time no I'm way. trying to get to work we you know we've got places to go this is London yeah 
niece is in London. And bear in mind, I'm not that old. Had we're yeah, talking yeah. about uh, 10, 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. And even I can see in your face yeah. that you're shocked and you're surprised. And that even I'm surprised. And I'm the one that I'm the one that happened to. And when I look back on my life, you know, like you can easily. I think as a human, you have that n- natural uh, propensity to adapt or become accustomed mm. to the situation. But when I look, when I look back on it now, it's so incomprehensible. Like, how is this happening mm. in the? 21st century and to be honest something that might something that I think will shock people and I don't want to say this in a confrontational or or accusatory way mm. but I have travelled a lot in the world alhamdulillah I'm really lucky I'm really mm-hmm. blessed I've been to countries in Africa countries in uh, the Middle East countries yeah. in Southeast Asia I've South America. I've literally travelled all over the world, alhamdulillah, including to many countries that maybe will be uh, classified as third world countries mm. or developing countries. And the UK, where I was born and I grew up and lived all my life, is one of the worst that I've encountered in terms of discrimination uh, against disabled people. I don't know why that is. Mm. I'm not saying it's everyone. I'm not saying it might, maybe it's not even still the case today. I think things have changed massively Mm. in my lifetime. I remember my mum telling me that when she wanted to enrol me in a primary school, And my parents were really determined that I'd go to a mainstream school, as yeah. in not a not a school specifically for people with disabilities. Yeah. They said, you know, Jodie's a normal boy. Why can't he go to a normal school? She said it was very difficult mm. to find a school that would accept me. Wow. To literally find a prime, can you believe that? <laughs> To find a primary school yeah. that would accept me because I had a disability. So, I'm. Um, I mean, I'm guessing. I'm guessing Island, that that would not be allowed today. Yeah. I'd be I'd be shocked if that was allowed today. I'm sure that isn't allowed yeah, today yeah, yeah. for a, a mainstream government mm. uh, funded primary school to say we're not. You know. He's too disabled. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know things have t- changed a lot in my life, even just within my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think people's attitudes have changed and are continuing, continuing to change as well, a huge amount. Mm. But we're still only talking about within the last twenty five years, yeah, basically yeah. twenty five thirty years. And yeah, it's as I said, it's something I, I think even you find it shocking, and you 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 knew that we we're going to talk about it. Yeah, so exactly. It's something It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I I didn't even expect those kind of examples. I had no idea, like yeah. at all. But like you said, I mean, I think slowly, though, there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, slowly, things are changing. Like you said, the perception is changing. Even like when I when I like when you go to like car parks for example where there's disabled bays, um, mm. you will see signs now saying like not all disabilities are visible. Yeah, so they're making that quite clear now, which yeah, is yeah. that is interesting because it's true. You know, when we think of a disability, you think, oh yeah, you know, naturally you're going to see someone with with you know a wheelchair. Yeah, you're going to see someone yeah. with a walking stick. But no, there's actually like I was even surprised to find out that having like severe asthma mm. severe severe asthma is classed even as a disability yeah. right so some uh, asthma is something i've struggled with for a long time yeah uh, but not on alhamdulillah it's, it's improved since i was a kid you haven't not quite, on that level you yeah. haven't quite got to that level. yeah alhamdulillah i hope i don't because <laughs> you know as a kid <laughs> asthma attacks were with it. but it's just it's interesting because if you saw someone with asthma i mean physically looking at them like you yeah. would never be able to tell right you wouldn't, uh, so i think it's good that 
people are kind of raising awareness about these things and i'm glad that we're just we're having even having this discussion because i'm sure a lot of people listening right now and watching this mm. are it's going to open up their eyes i remember you were mentioning around 10 11 around nine yeah nine ten years ago when i had a number of uh media appearances yeah. and interviews uh, you know obviously online and with social media is yeah so you get a, you get a lot of quote unquote haters, yeah, yeah. and um, one of the comments that I saw a number of people making derogatory comments mm. or negative comments was, "Oh, you know this guy, I I, I saw him walking, or oh I saw him God. standing up. Why is he, you know, why is he pretending to have a disability?" Are you being and serious? I'm being a hundred percent serious. Even there was there was a, uh, yeah. I'm being a hundred percent. There was Ajeev. and you know it's like, subhanallah. You know, as a society, you know it's just it's really strange to me. But but you're right. It, I guess it is born out of ignorance. Yeah, yeah. And um, the only way you challenge that, I think, is through. Uh, education yeah i mean it's amazing like i you know i think nowadays you certainly see a lot more uh disabled people in the public eye or uh you know on television or whatever it is alhamdulillah i want to ask you something actually so going back nine ten years right uh when when i said you're making those media appearances right were you at this stage a muslim no you were i wasn't okay so when did you come to islam so alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I became a Muslim, let's say, 2012. Okay. Right. Yeah, 2012. So just, uh, I remember because it was just before I travelled to Venezuela. Okay. So I became a Muslim and then, you know, what does everyone do when they become a Muslim? I live in Venezuela, mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> come Venezuela, on, man. yeah, wow, well, okay. Venezuela. Where did that As come a, from? Well, to be honest, the, the trip was already booked. Okay, okay, fine enough, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't like part of the uh, initiation it process. It wasn't no? like, oh. Right, you become Muslim uh, and you have to go to Venezuela. First mission. <laughs> I thought, that's what everyone did. <laughs> no, the trip was already booked. I was working as a journalist. Alhamdulillah. Okay, alhamdulillah. So... But that's how I remember. So it's around t- 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 so about eight eight t- years t- or so, roughly yeah. eight years or so. And uh, okay, interesting. So it was a couple of years after you would say those, you know, that your twenty four hours of fame as Loki put it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Those media appearances. Okay. Oh so what was it then? Because I'll be honest yeah. with you. Even when I saw you back then, yeah. I saw you as a man who had the values of what Islam promotes. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, the, what you were standing up for and the work yeah. that you were doing was exactly what Islam promoted. Uh, but I knew you weren't a Muslim. Yeah. So where? So, uh, but you know, the thing is, even was it the Prophet He said when he came across Khalid ibn Walid, right? Yeah. He always said, a man like Khalid, as intelligent as him, will, like, it is impossible for him not to become Muslim. Right. Because he has the skills and he has the intelligence. So for me, looking at you, I was like, this guy has everything, you know, that he has all those values. So what was it then? That you know, something very in- interesting about mm. uh, Islam, or someone being born a Muslim, someone becoming Muslim, that you're right, intelligence yeah. is a big part of it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always encourages us in the Quran to reflect, to use our not to use our brain to think mm. about things. But there's also Iman, belief, faith that is so such a key part of our deen, subhanAllah. So maybe without trying to say it as an arrogant, inshallah I hope I had some intelligence <laughs> but maybe I was lacking the Iman you could say mm-hmm. and honestly 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 it's very difficult for me to give you a definitive answer okay. that this made me want to become a Muslim that all I can say is that whether it's through activism 
or journalism or reading or writing articles or doing interviews or travelling, all of these things I was doing, I think maybe I was always looking for the truth in things. You're looking for answers. Looking for and, answers. And especially I can imagine as someone who's a journalist, yeah. a journalist is always researching, looking for you answers, right? So know, you have that nature. You want to know the answers to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to things. That's, that's what it is to be a human. Yeah, yeah. You're searching for answers. <clears throat> Why are we here? What, what are we doing here? What's our purpose? Why am I living now? Mm. Like, what is the reason for Jodie McIntyre Shabir Hassan, why are we here? Why are we in this world? Yeah. And um, also, you could say that having experiences like travelling to Palestine, mm. living in Palestine, uh, seeing suffering, seeing oppression, it makes you question the official narrative or the story you've heard in the news. Perhaps more so than if you just stayed in the place you were born and and never really, never really saw another side to the story. Yeah. So that's what I think. I was always looking for the truth. And one other thing that I've reflected on a lot, and I think for many, many, this is just my opinion, yeah. but I think for many, many people, whether consciously or subconsciously is a big stumbling block and even me I probably have suffered from this in the past is that I think we have to think to ourselves if I'm wrong about something even if I've believed something for 10 years 20 years 30 years if I find out evidence or something compelling Mm. shows me that what I've been doing and what I've believed in is wrong, I have to push my ego down and not have the arrogance to mm. reject something just because it's, it, it, you know, just because I didn't already know about it. That it's is something really hard. So important. I well, still yeah. find it hard now. You know, if you if you're, you know, it might not be as it might not be as life changing as. Uh, Islam or no Islam but if you've had something that you know the last couple of years you were sure this is true yeah. and then someone comes and says look at this you were wrong it, it's hard yeah. it's like hard. the ego is telling you you know you thought you were right so just keep keep arguing yeah. and to be honest like I never uh, you know I had no I never had any bad feeling towards Muslims or any bad feeling towards Islam, but at the same time, I never saw myself becoming a Muslim, and yeah. that's why I find it interesting. Like a couple of uh, people have said to me, what you said today, um, as in maybe I embodied or maybe I spoke out for some of the principles that Muslims believe in, but me myself, I never. I never, never saw, saw it. It way. wasn't yeah. inevitable in my mind. Yeah, it yeah. is. But, you know. Um, so, yeah, in terms of practical terms, um, I had a, a few close friends who were Muslims. Yeah. I read an English translation of the Quran and I couldn't find anything to argue with. I couldn't oh. find anything in the Quran to say this doesn't make sense, or this doesn't agree with this, or this is incorrect, or this is inaccurate. So I said to myself eventually, if you can't argue with this book, the, the first, you know, the first, uh, the second ayah of Surah Baqarah, right in the beginning of the Quran, says, This is a book with no doubt in it, then why not believe in it? Yeah. And I remember I started, uh, it was during Ramadan. Yeah. A couple, I actually came just here to East London Mosque one day for okay. Tarawih. This is still before I'd become a Muslim. I said, my Shahada. I prayed Tarawih a couple of different nights. I prayed Tarawih. And I said to myself, Jody, you know, why are you praying something optional? 
and then you're not you're not praying the salat, the prayers that are compo- compulsory. Mm. So subhanAllah, listen to this for something funny. By the time I sat down and said my shahada, I was already praying my salah. I was already fasting Ramadan. Okay, I hadn't been to Hajj, but... Wow, yeah, subhanAllah, yeah. that is amazing. It's funny, isn't it? I even I was That's a funny I was sitting with one I was sitting with one brother, one yeah. Imam. He said to me, Why do you want to become Muslim? I you said, well, said look, I already I, am it. I, I, <laughs> you know, I said to him I said I didn't know what to say. I said, Because I pray five times a day now I fast from that. He said, Why the, why are you just coming today? <laughs> Wow, that's funny, man. But you know, you mashallah. know, some look, everyone's different, but yeah. but for me, oh, I'm always trying to fight against arrogance. I'm talking about within myself. Yeah, I'm always trying to fight against arrogance, or it's kind of like I know better mentality. Yeah. And I remember I had. Uh, friends telling me about Islam, encouraging me, but right until the last moment, it's like I didn't want to take yeah. it from someone else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But Alhamdulillah, it's amazing to hear. Um, what's even more amazing, let's talk about this. Um, so, okay, you actually, and again, a lot of people might not know this, so after becoming Muslim, as you said, you were already, mashallah, traveling anyway. Um, but you traveled to uh, to Mauritania um, and you ended up staying there for a, a good, let's say, about one and a half years, right? Yeah. Um, which that in, in and of itself Beautiful is... Beautiful experience. Yeah, yeah. I could I, I just imagine. That's what I want to talk about. But within that time, so what was your purpose of going? Because within that time, subhanAllah, you not only did you pick up Arabic I mean I guess you didn't really have a choice like we said because you're in Mauritania they don't speak English they're not speaking any other language they're speaking Arabic right yeah um, and then I haven't been Mauritania but you know from what I've heard obviously even the conditions there you're not going to be living in a five-star you know apartment you're right? not living in one star let <laughs> okay star. fine half a star then right <laughs> so you know you're literally in the, the middle only of a desert stars, right? the stars in the sky literally okay subhanallah that's what i'm saying so you went there but you picked up arabic and you dedicated this time to the to the quran and for someone that hasn't actually been Muslim for that long, if you think about it. I mean, eight years or so. Yeah. MashaAllah, I mean, within that time to have travelled, to pick to have picked up Arabic, which many born Muslims are, you know, like, craving, okay? Uh, and then not only <coughs> that, but MashaAllah, to have memorised the Qur'an within that space of time. Again, which, you know, born Muslims, we're talking about people whose mother tongue is Arabic, they, they are craving to do. That is amazing. That's super inspiring. Just tell us about that whole experience and what that was like. Bismillah. Look, from since I became a Muslim, yeah, one mm. of the first things, the first intentions that I had in my mind yeah. and in my heart <clears throat> was that I want to learn this Quran. I want to memorize this Quran. Yeah, and I remember. So before I became a Muslim, I could speak some conversational Arabic Mm. but I didn't know how to read or write in Arabic and I remember specifically when I was in Venezuela so I'd just become a Muslim going into mosques going into masjid and seeing people come in sit down and pick up a Quran pick up a mushaf and start reading it Mm. and thinking to myself Wow, I, w- I, I wish I could do that. Just walk into a mosque, <laughs> pick up a Quran in Arabic and just start, like, just start reading it. It was amazing to me. And do you know what I think? I, I don't know where I've heard this saying. It's a saying that I re- read somewhere, saying that someone who knows how to, not specifically about the Quran, yeah. it's just a general saying, someone that knows how to read and doesn't read is no better than someone who doesn't know how mm, to read. Makes sense. 
And subhanAllah, you know, like, like, think about that. Like, if you're an Arab or you're someone that's learned how to read the Quran from a, from a young age, think about that. There's some people that struggle so long just to be able to read Alif Lam Mim. If you've got the the gift that you're already able to read Quran and you're not reading it, subhanAllah, yeah. come on, man. SubhanAllah. Come on, like you don't even have to learn to read it, just read it. <laughs> just sit down and read it. <laughs> so you, know, true. you don't have to learn Alif Ba Ta Ta Fataka Sadamma Shaddan Sukun Tamween Mad. All you have to do is sit down and read it. So, so Alhamdulillah, you're right, you're right. It's a big blessing that in a really, really short amount of time, mm. I went from that, <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, to not only reading the Quran, memorizing the Quran. And all of that is a gift that Allah has, that Allah has given me, and yeah. I'll always be grateful for it, inshallah. inshallah. So, How I did you take it, by, by the way, sorry, uh, to memorize? To memorize. Do you, this is going to be the, the title of the video. <laughs> Two weeks, even though. So that is the. Is, 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 I think it was. He memorized the Quran in two weeks. And she's in a wheelchair. We're going to have emotional music. And then she comes out <laughs> the background. You know what? It's quite, it's quite hard to. Because I learnt some in the UK okay. in my uh, on my own around say ten years roughly, okay, and then I went to Mauritania. The first time I memorised in Mauritania was quite quickly, say a few months. But okay. then I went over it again, and do you know something I'd really um, advise young people mm. that maybe doesn't get. Uh, mentioned as much is that with memorizing quran yeah revision is actually a lot more important yeah. and a lot more time consuming than learning 100%. so mashallah if you're able to read arabic and you, you know you've got some kind of uh system for memorizing then memorizing one page or memorizing uh one robot or two pages whatever it is might not necessarily be that difficult, might mm. not take you that long. The important thing, and probably I even made mistakes with this as well, is the revision and the consistency in revision. Mm. So I remember in Mauritania, they had a, a subhanAllah, they had a principle in Mauritania yeah. that any part of the Quran, if you can't sit down now and recite it without checking, without reading it over, without looking at it, then you haven't memorized it. Without, you're saying, without any preparation? Without any preparation. Let's say if you can't do it to, say for example, you know, alhamdulillah, I teach Quran now. I teach Quran now here in the UK. And sometimes when I have uh, new students, their parents will tell me, he or she has memorized five juz, or they've memorized ten juz. Yeah. But in Mauritania, they say, okay, you've memorized ten juz, sit down and recite the ten juz. And if you can't do that, you haven't memorized it. And it is a bit like, uh, you know, so maybe it's a bit tough or a bit harsher than what we used to. Yeah. But it is a, it is a good way of ensuring that you memorize, because if you think about it, if if uh, someone asked you to recite Surah Fatiha, yeah. you, you would never have a problem. Yeah, if someone true. asked you to recite Surah Nas, you'd never have a problem. You're never going to forget it, even if you uh, haven't recited it for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, yes, I, the advice I'd uh, give to other people in terms of memorizing Quran is don't, don't rush, because yeah. the revision is more important in a way yeah. than, uh, you know, don't be discouraged at the same time, try to keep going, but the revision is really, really important. Yeah, no, definitely. If you've got one juz or two juz or five mm. juz and you keep revising them to the point that you 
and I promise people that with enough hard work you will get to this point when there's, you know, it's one of the, the nicest, nicest feelings to be able to sit down without looking at the Mus'haf and recite Qur'an for half an hour, one hour, two hours. It's an amazing feeling. Wallahi, it's an amazing it feeling. Is. But it takes dedication and hard work and, yeah, yeah. and perseverance. <clears throat> definitely, definitely. And you know what, guys, it's official that according to according to the, the principles in Mauritania, I'm not a real Hafiz of the Quran because <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't, I, I have to prepare. If you tell me to start reading right now, I, I, I need to prepare. But you know what, well, I, I, can, I can imagine what would have really helped as well with that process. Like, because this is not, this is the norm in places like Mauritania, yeah? Like, yeah. Is it Mauritania or Mauritania? I, I don't know which one to say, man. I'm I'm not the I'm not the boss. <laughs> All right, I'm fine. not the boss. We'll, of go, with, we'll go with Mauritania since you said yeah. it now, right? So, I, I, the, because we could say when a person my, goes there, you're so detached, especially from devices, right? Yeah. You're literally in the middle. Of, so it's just like I hear crazy stories of like kids there that are just memorizing not just Quran but like Sahih al Bukhari for like just. Just playtime for them, you know. It's just nothing. You know, like. you know what? That's so funny because <coughs> the way you say crazy, so it's not crazy. It's true. <laughs> Wallahi, I remember uh, for for most of my time there, around a year or just under one year, I was living in a very, very, very remote place. Even by Mauritanian standards, oh, wow. it was uh, uh, remote. And I remember meeting other Mauritanians who were shocked at where I was living. I'm <laughs> wow. talking about a place where the the water would come, they'd bring it from a well every two days. So wow. every two days you get bit two large containers of water and that was what you had for two, two days. Well for like drinking, for everything, washing for everything. Do for drinking, for wow. cooking for washing, for whatever, you know, it's two large, large containers, but that had to last you, uh, you know, there was no electricity, there was no, you know, the, all I can say is that it's about as far from our reality as you can imagine, mm. and so the studies would be from... Saturday until Wednesday. Okay. And then Thursday and Friday, you'd have two days off. That's your weekend. And that's your weekend. Thursday and Jumma, Thursday and Friday. And I remember some of the young kids who were either... A couple of them had just completed Quran. They were around... I'm talking about kids that are 9, 10, 11 years old. Okay. Because they, you know, they like I said, they didn't rush things. Like if they're learning Quran, they'll do a small amount, small and consistent. I remember some of them on their days off, coming to older students, and asking them to write poetry, like lines of yeah. famous Arabic poetry, for them to go and memorize wow. for fun. Because they, you know, they got into that, um, you know, if you practice something a lot, the brain is a muscle, right? If you yeah, yeah. train it enough, then you, you 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 can do amazing things like that. So, yeah, it's funny, like, for them, uh, you know, in Mauritania, uh, memorising the Quran literally is a starting point mm. for any sh- student. And, in fact, if you go to something that I think a lot of, people have found going to Mauritania is that if you go to a uh, what they call a mahta like a village or uh, somewhere to study and they'll ask you what what it is you want to study if you haven't memorized Quran they will be very very almost insistent that you begin with Quran and that's expected from everyone before you you know, maybe you study the basics of uh, fiqh, fiqh of tahara, fiqh of salat, of zakat, of hajj, the basics of Ramadan. But apart from that, they really, really 
uh, focus on the Quran as a starting point. Oh, so that's like the prerequisite. That's the condition. Like if you want to go further, just memorize Quran. It's like the yeah, mashallah. And it, I think it's, I think it's a good uh, principle to have not only for studying yeah. but for life as well. Yeah. In yeah. a in a subhanallah nowadays. I think we um prioritize so many other things, even mm. other forms of education. But yeah. I certainly believe uh, that the Quran is a good place to start. It's a guide. It's literally yeah. <coughs> guidance for our lives in e- in every aspect. And yeah. sometimes, when you you know when you don't give Quran the time and the effort it needs and you leave it and leave it and leave it your life becomes very busy with other things and mm-hmm. you don't have time so I think it is really good really yeah, good yeah, to start, start with Quran yeah. and finish with Quran as well. I mean it must have been a life changing experience for you going there I mean again I can't imagine I just feel like when I think about that you know, I just feel like I can't hack it you know? Shabir Mauritani was life changing <laughs> I have to say it was, it I was, and you know, you know, before I went, everyone told everyone that I asked said that it was very difficult yeah. uh, living conditions, <clears throat> and it was ten times more difficult than they said or than I imagined. Wow. Um, why it was an amazing personal experience for me and personal journey for me, I literally drove from London. Mauritania. You drove there? I drove there in 2015. You're crazy, man. <laughs> when I went to Mauritania, I got in a car, I drove to Mauritania. Okay, how, how on earth did you, how could you just drive to Mauritania? It can how be done, my take? friend, it can be done. How long did that take? So with stopping, it took, you know, I had a couple of uh, uh, days of rest in yeah, Morocco, yeah. and overall I think it took me nine or ten days, including oh. that. So sounds like a very via short, short, easy journey then. That's it. Well, I'll take <laughs> you next like time. We'll see, right there. we'll see how easy it was. <laughs> so via Spain, okay. via the whole length to the the length of Spain, and then the length of Morocco. You go through Western Sahara. You go all the way from Morocco, and then you arrive in Mauritania. And oh. something I was thinking about the other day. I remember the f- first time driving to Mauritania and the the last part of the journey, let's say the last day before you get to the border, yeah. you're driving through the desert. Yeah. So it's very, very, very sparsely populated and you're driving through, you, you know, you're driving hundreds of kilometres without really seeing anything or seeing anyone and I remember I didn't really I'd 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 had the I thought that you could get a visa on arrival okay. at the border of Mauritania but I wasn't a hundred percent sure it was like I tried to research it it's quite hard to find informa- yeah. informa- information at the time about Mauritania about the visa process and I remember just that last part of the journey just making a lot of adha and making a lot of dua while I was driving. Don't worry, I wasn't looking at a phone or something <laughs> like that, but just just to myself, make, making adha, making dua, Ya Allah, make this journey easy for me, help me to get across the border. It's a place I've never been to before. I'm on my own. I don't know the situation. And, you know, there's a hadith, I believe, saying that the the person that struggles to follow a path of gaining knowledge, mm. Allah will make the path to Jannah easy for him. Something amazing, amazing. you know that that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day, is to struggle in this life, so we don't have to struggle in the akhirah. That's what we're all trying Absolutely. to do. And I just always remember that time because, you know, 
it's one of those times where you're you're going into something unknown, something completely unknown. Mm. The first time I travelled to Mauritania, I didn't know much about the country. I didn't know anyone there. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know where I was going to study. Wow. I didn't know the. I mean, I didn't know the. Lo- I knew a little bit of Arabic, but I didn't know the local. Uh, dialect, the customs, or anything. I just had this idea in my mind. I really want to learn Quran, and I really want to memorize Quran. And you know, a few people had told me Mauritania is amazing yeah, yeah. for learning Quran, but it's a very, very uh, difficult, tough, really hard. It's I can't even put it into okay, words. I, I, I literally imagine the first, the first day. I was in the desert. It was forty-eight degrees, and this 48. isn't. This isn't. Uh, by the way, this isn't. Uh, Dubai, forty-eight degrees, air conditioning, everything. Yeah. This is. You're in the middle of a desert. There's no electricity, and you. I remember. This is a really good. Uh, uh, um, kind of amazing for me to remember as well. I remember the first day. Saying to myself, and I'm not, you know, I don't try to be negative, but I remember saying to myself, I will not last here more than two days. I won't be able, I said, let alone memorizing Quran, I can't even live here, let alone studying and yeah. putting in so much work. And after two days, I said, Alhamdulillah, I'm definitely not going to be here more than one week. And after one week, I said two weeks less, and I just kept going like that. Kept stretching so it sometimes in life, even if you have a long-term aim or a big plan that you want to achieve, sometimes in life, we just have to take it one step at a time. Otherwise, it can be overwhel- over- overwhelming. And, you know, alhamdulillah, I managed to memorize the Quran. And Allah made that easy for me. Don't, don't tell me you went by yourself, by the way, all of this. I went myself, my friend. You drove, I drove yes, you myself. Yourself, yeah? Yes. Oh Allah, I drove from London to Mauritania. Seriously, how? Nine, ten days. <laughs> Everyone was telling me not to go. So I remember, pe- I remember you, know what? you know what? I remember people saying, come on, at least take someone with you. I say, who wants to go and live in Mauritania? Right? That's what but I'm saying. crazy friend went with you? Tell yeah. me that. Let me find out who your friend was. But you went by yourself. You know, you know now, alhamdulillah, the biggest blessing in my life, I'm a father. I've got a son, mashallah. Mashallah. And you know, it's so bad. Like, I never let him do the things I do. <laughs> like, it's bad, isn't we'll it? We'll see you in a few years, yeah. How was his name? Ilyas. Ilyas will um, send him um, to Mauritania, um, get him um, to drive himself. <laughs> I'm sure, and you know, you c- it can be like a challenge. I'm sure he's the first Ilyas McIntyre in the world. Ilyas McIntyre, okay. Have you ever met one? I haven't met one, no, I haven't met I one. I think so. he's the first one, inshallah. Inshallah. Ilyas wow. Malik McIntyre. Ilyas Malik McIntyre, mashallah. Well, I hope everyone who's listening makes a special dua. For Elias I mean, McIntyre, that I mean, he becomes, that he becomes half of the Quran, I mean, and that you respect his parents. <laughs> that is a key one. That's a key important. Otherwise, one. he's going down. <laughs> You're gonna set, ship him off to Mauritania for for a year. That's yeah. happening anyway. That's, happening. <laughs> that's just uh, that's a standard training for him. Subhanallah. Um, you know what? It's this whole story. Everything we're just talking about. Just it, it reminds me of. What we spoke about earlier, going back to that, people of determination, mashallah. honestly, mashallah, that requires what you did, requires a lot of determination, a lot of patience, a lot of sabr, a lot of willpower, and alhamdulillah, you managed to do it. And I think even your Instagram page, very interesting, even the name, your handle, very interesting, disabled people can. Mm. That's very interesting. And, uh, and and I just follow some of your posts, disabled people can have children, disabled yeah. people can recite the Quran and you just show it's it's very insightful tell us why you chose that specific handle quickly I just I thought I'd get more followers <laughs> <laughs> um, because honestly honestly you know 
you were talking about my experiences of uh, prejudice and discrimination. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not making this up to this, to this day. It's something that I've always experienced. People, even people that are on my side, even people that, you know, believe in me and encourage me, uh, sometimes saying that I can't do this or you can't do that, you can't do this. And I think, why not focus on what disabled people can do? Because some disabled people can do a lot of stuff, mashallah. Some disabled people can do so much and can contribute so much. So, you know, I know people, maybe people will say, you know, we knew that already, we we already knew, but it's not meant to be like a, you know, it's funny that sometimes I've read some comments, and mashallah, I know they've got good intentions, and they say things like, brother, you are not disabled, don't call yourself disabled, you are able to do... But that's the point of it. It's not meant to be a negative thing. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, if if it can benefit one per even one person can benefit from it or yeah. feel inspired or feel encouraged or feel uh, motivated, you know, is saying disabled people can do this, so can you. Absolutely. Inshallah ta'ala. Absolutely. And you know one thing, uh, as we're coming to the end now, one thing I always I always knew this, but I think after today, after meeting you and speaking to you, it just kind of reinforces that, which is that you know sometimes when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, when He takes something away from you, and whichever form, however that may manifest, uh, He always replaces it with something else. He always gives you something else in a different area, and I feel like with you, what you've shown and what I've learned from you today, if I'm going to take one thing away. Is that my, my, we've spoken about you my know, physical abilities? Physical have been ability, we've replaced spoken about being really handsome. <laughs> Thank well, you that, for the compliment. That, that as well, okay? Brother Jody, that, that as well. <laughs> May Allah bless you. But there's that, and just the fact that Subhanallah, Allah has blessed you with other abilities. You know, giving you the ability to uh, complete your memorization in ten months, having that, you know, replacing your, uh, replacing it with physical and mental strength, willpower, traveling by yourself, going out, exploring the unknown. SubhanAllah, Allah has blessed you in many different areas with activism as well. Um, I, honestly, it's, it's, it's very inspiring to see. And You know, you mentioned earlier, you said something about uh, some, disabili- some disabilities not being visible. visible yeah. And this is really important. Look. Wallahi, one thing I've learned in life, not just about disabilities, but all all people, all human beings, everyone in this life is struggling. Wallahi, you won't meet one person that isn't struggling, one person that isn't uh, going through pain or going through difficulties. You know, we always see our own problems as an isolated cause. Mm -hmm. You might be going through something and you think, you know, this situation is unique to me and no one can understand this and no one has been through this. Well, like, everyone's struggling. You might see someone that... And, and social media has multiplied this times a hundred. You might see someone and think they're that's brilliant, they're that's great, everything's perfect in their life. Everyone's got difficulties they're going through. Mm. And sometimes when you do... When you do hear about those difficulties, you think, subhanAllah, I don't have anything to complain about. So, you know, you're right, you're right. Allah gives different people uh, different abilities. And all we can do is say, alhamdulillah, for what we have. All of us have abilities, all of us have disabilities. Alhamdulillah. But all I'd say is that, you know, just work with what you have. Alhamdulillah. Brother Jody, it's been an absolute pleasure. I don't even know where time's gone. I don't know where that hour has gone. Uh, it's gone. And it's it's gone. never coming back. Exactly. It's never coming back. But I don't regret it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's I don't so regret sweet. It. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Allah bless you, bro. Honestly, very inspiring. Uh, I'm so glad we managed to have this conversation today. 
It's uh, nice to see you. Yeah, man. Lovely to have a chat. Alhamdulillah. And until I'm next sure, time. Exactly. Definitely until next time. And I'm sure our viewers and listeners uh, benefited from this. Uh, do please check out the amazing work that Brother, Brother Jody is doing. Especially on, on Instagram and everywhere else, mashallah. And keep him in your du'as. Keep um, our our little uh, Ilyas McIntyre, the first ever one, perhaps, in your du'as as well. Uh, and uh, be sure, of course, to subscribe to the Ilmfeed YouTube channel uh, and uh, drop your comments below. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know what you would like to see in the future uh, with these podcasts inshallah uh, because we're coming up to one year of the podcast already subhanallah with your du'as and your supports and all of your uh, efforts alhamdulillah we have come uh, and and we have the opportunity to bring people like brother jody on this platform mashallah may allah bless you all and uh, we are going to end it here keep us in your du'as and uh, from myself shabir your host from the Umfeed team from brother jody until then Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.